Hello, good morning, afternoon, evening, whatever it is for you. This is Nikki Bruno with the Epic Comeback Podcast, where warrior women and now men and all people along the gender spectrum who have gone through absolute caca give you advice on how to get to the other side of yours. Today, I am privileged and honored and super excited to be talking with Brian Wright. Brian, welcome to the Epic Comeback Podcast. Thanks, Nikki. It's great to be here. It's great to have you. Brian, I'm going to hand the mic right back to you because that's what I like to do because it's more fun for me. If you introduce yourself and let us know who you are and where you're from and what, what's keeping you busy, what's, what's shaking these days? Ooh, that is a loaded question and I'm happy to answer it. So anyway, I, I live in the Phoenix area. I do uh, a radio show called Success Profiles Radio. I publish a magazine called Success Profiles Magazine. I help people get their message out to the world a bigger way. I help people with their books, get their books written. And that keeps me very, very busy. I, I love helping people. I love being of service to people and, and motivating, encouraging, and inspiring people to be the best version of themselves. And I think to some degree, this is something I've always really wanted to do. I have a teaching background. So I used to be a college teacher at a small two-year business school called Lincoln School of Commerce in Lincoln, Nebraska. It doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. I taught public speaking, English composition, and business math. Now you might think that's an odd combination of classes. Well, they were all required. So for me, knowing that everyone had to take these classes, I tried to make it as fun as I could. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't like speaking. A lot of people don't like writing. A lot of people really don't like doing math. For sure. Yeah. So I tried to make it fun. And I think I succeeded to a large degree. People usually gave me pretty decent evaluations after my classes were done. But it's fun. When I would teach the, the speech class, I would, first of all, have them introduce themselves on the first day. And I say, you have to do this. You don't get points, but you get credit for doing it. You have to do this. I want to break the ice right now. I don't want you to think about dreading your first speaking experience. So we're doing it on opening day. And that freaked people out a little bit, but they were all happy once they were done. And it was not hard. Just tell us who you are, where you're from, what do you want to do with your life? That's it, you know? Then the next speech was a demonstration speech. And so that was basically designed for you to tell us how to do something. Again, you're in your comfort zone, even in an uncomfortable environment. Yeah. So I just would slowly break the ice with people all the way along. You got to break the ice. I love it. I'm a former English teacher, high school English teacher. And yeah. And now I'm an empowerment coach and I'm with you. I am in the camp of helping people be their best selves. And it's, uh, it, I pinch myself that I get to yeah. do for a living. So yeah, I love to hear about what you do. That's really awesome, Brian. And mm -hmm. um, if we have time later on, I have a, I have a question that I'm dying to ask you, but I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to hold it for right now. Um, because this is your big moment, Brian. This is a, a podcast that is by and for, people, mostly women so far, but, um, but I'm all, I'm really happy to invite men on and my listeners are like, Oh, it's a man. And <laughs> well, anyway, um, you look like a man. Yeah. He, man he, TV, Miss Swan. And he sounds like a man too. So I am, well, I am. So yeah, and you are. Yeah. So, um, this is a podcast about epic comebacks and it's yes. about people who have gone through life shattering experiences. So I would love for you to summarize for us what you went through and what was the worst, worstest part. I had a life threatening illness in 2014. So late 2013, early 2014, I noticed that I was feeling lethargic a lot. 
I was losing my appetite. I wasn't eating like I was accustomed to eating. I found myself leaving work early, like after a couple of hours because I just couldn't get through the day. And I realized one Monday afternoon after I finished doing my radio show, I physically could not. I mean, I, I was at the end of my rope physically. It took everything I had just to get through it. And my guest does 85 to 90% of the talking, just like this, you know? So I went straight to bed at five o'clock without posting my show, without publishing. I did that the next morning. But my parents were staying in Arizona. They were doing the snowbird thing. They were retired. And I called both of them. I called both of their cell phone numbers. They both went to voicemail. So I knew they were together doing something, but I said, I'm not feeling well. This is the fifth day in a row that I'm not feeling like myself. And I would love it if maybe I could have lunch with you. And if you could make me a bowl of chicken noodle soup, I'd love that. <laughs> So dad called me back first and said, would you like us to take you to a doctor? I said, that's actually a really great idea. So I went to urgent care. Mm -hmm. They prescribed me with a pack because they thought they were treating for me for pneumonia, which was a reasonable guess at the time. And they insisted that I stay with them in their RV until I felt better. I thought, well, that's really sweet. Okay. So I called out work. I didn't go to work. I was you know, still sick. And after three days, this was on a Tuesday, and after three days on a Friday morning, we were having breakfast. All I could eat was a half a strip of bacon. I said, I'm full. And dad said, this, this, this is not right. Something's not right. Yeah. You need to go back to urgent care. And so we did. And I drove. Mom was with me, and I, I drove. And I got in right away because I filled out my paperwork three days prior. And the next thing I knew, I was in the back room with the doctor, and my mom was sitting there, and I thought, how did you get here? I didn't remember her entering the room. I remember him telling her he cannot answer my question in complete sentences. He's not coherent. Something's not right. We need to put him in an ambulance and take him to the hospital now. We looked at each other like, what? I drove to urgent care. And now seemingly 15, 20 minutes later, I'm being told that I can't speak coherently. It was a blur to me. And so I remember being put on a stretcher. I remember being zoomed by ambulance to the hospital, which was about 15 minutes away. I remember being in the ER and the doctor was saying, we don't know what you're treating you, we, what we're treating you for, whether it's pneumonia, whether it's flu, whether it's something else, but we're gonna run a lot of tests and you're gonna be here a while. I thought, oh, a while, like what, a few hours? Oh no, 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 a few weeks, a few days, a few weeks, maybe longer, who knows? And she mentioned ICU. So I thought, okay, this is kind of serious. And I had never been in a hospital before for being sick. Yeah. So I really wasn't, really wasn't grasping. And she did mention the possibility of putting me on a ventilator. And I said, well, what does that mean? We put a tube down your throat and your and a machine breathes for you. I thought, I don't want that. Thank goodness they didn't say life support. I would have had a terrible freak out if they would have said life support because that means something completely different, you know? Yeah. But she said, well, you might have to. We have to see. We don't know yet. And I remember much later asking my dad, how long was I in ER? And he said, you were down there for about six hours. They didn't have a room for you. I said, it felt like 45 minutes. So I must have slept a lot, but they ran all kinds of tests. They put me in ICU and they finally figured out that I had the H1N1 swine flu virus and pneumonia. Wow. Pretty deadly. Intense, yeah. Very intense. Yeah. And they almost did put me on a ventilator. In fact, much, much later, toward the end of my stay, I had two separate medical staff, one nurse and one CNA. They both told me we weren't sure if you were gonna make it or not. In fact, we were very close to putting you on a ventilator. We talked about it and we voted on it. And we decided that we would give you one more day to see if you showed any sign of improvement. And sure enough, I did. And the nurse, one of the nurses said, you were our miracle patient. I said, why? And she said, because we have a number of people in here with swine flu virus 
this season and you were the only one out of the whole bunch who did not have to go on a ventilator. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, huge miracle, right? So I was very grateful. After eight days, I was transferred to a regular normal room out of the ICU unit. I was there a total of 14 days, but I didn't know what my end date was yet at that time. But I knew if I wasn't in ICU anymore that the finish line was coming closer. So I just claimed that I was going home soon. Anytime a doctor, nurse, CNA, respiratory therapist came in the room, how you doing, Brian? I'm going home soon. And that's what I would say. That's the first thing I would say to everybody. I'm going home soon. Lung doctor said, we'll see. I'm like, I'm not telling you anything anymore. You have to know who your cheerleaders are and recognize those who aren't. So that was a huge lesson. I mean, it's something that got reinforced. And so I just really didn't tell her stuff anymore unless I really, really had to, you know. But I just started telling everyone, I'm going home soon. And I started getting progressively better. And on day 14, I was sent home with home health care, with oxygen. And so I went three more weeks and I was on oxygen. And after about two and a half of those weeks, I didn't need the oxygen tube anymore. And so they released me from doctor's care and I ended up starting a new job like the following week at a telemarketing place. Now, yeah, now I will say this, talking was physically exhausting to me. I had to put my radio show on hiatus for three months because I could not sustain a long conversation. But uh, I figured at a telemarketing firm where I only had to talk for a couple minutes at a time between calls, I could pause the dialer if I really, really had to. And I did, and I, I, I did that for a while. And I've, I've done a lot of call center work actually, because it was the lowest barrier of entry. It's like, I can do this. It's not glamorous, but it, it was money. Yeah. So that's what I did. And eventually I resumed my show and I went on Facebook and I told my friends, hey, I know I haven't posted in a while. This is what happened. I, this has beat me up really badly. I will not be talking to any of you like on the phone for quite a while, but yeah. message me. We were worried about you, that kind of thing. So. Yeah, so here's the interesting piece to all that. While I was in the hospital, actually several days prior to going to the hospital, I was rereading a couple of transcripts from old episodes of my radio show. And interestingly enough, both of these episodes had to do with guys who were in the hospital with life-threatening situations. One had been hit by a drunk, not by, yeah, a drunk driver at high speed, lived to tell about it, and the other guy was in his third round with leukemia. Both of them were told they might not walk again or they might not live. Both of them rejected that idea completely and focused on what they were going to do with their lives and their careers after they got out. So they chose to future focus. Mm -hmm. So how fascinating is it that those were the only two transcripts I read three days before I knew I was going to be in a hospital. So I'm laying in the ICU bed and I'm thinking, God, how interesting is it that those are the two that you had me read? So I started thinking about what I was going to do when I got out. I wanted to resume doing my radio show. I wanted to speak on stages more often. Doing my magazine wasn't a thing yet. Ghostwriting books for people wasn't a thing yet. But I wanted to impact more people. And maybe the most important thing of all is I wanted to go home and play with the dog again. The dog was only two years old. She's eight now. But it was fun just to be able to go home and play with the dog. But I gave myself things to look forward to. And so the three big takeaways I had were, number one, be aggressively thankful for everything. Mm -hmm. Right? Because we do, you know, sometimes forget even the small things that we should be thankful for. Number two, treasure your family and friends. And number three, take nothing for granted because you never know when it's all going to be taken away from you. And it almost was. Yeah. Those are the three lessons that I carry with me as a result of that experience. Wow. That is, that is an epic comeback. I mean, that's, that's really intense. It was. Let me ask you this. When you, when you got to the other side, 
um, like truly got to a place where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm good to go now. You know, like you could have conversation with fr- conversations with friends and, and you could do what you wanted to do professionally, et cetera. Mm-hmm. What, what was the best thing or maybe what, what is the best thing now about being there, about being on that other side? If I can get through that, I can get through anything. Mm. It was an anchor moment for me. Skydiving was also an anchor moment for me. If I can do this and live through it, I can do anything. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. And if I'm still here, if I'm still here, it's not my time yet. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, dying never occurred to me. Thankfully, everyone was always trying to be comfortable. Uh, everyone was always trying to, you know, encourage me, you know, how you doing? I do remember I wasn't physically strong enough to cut my own food. So my parents would visit me every day and they would cut my food for me. And dad one day said, I haven't done this for you in many, many years. I said, I know. That's beautiful. Yeah. But when you can only eat six or eight bites of your meal and say, I'm full, I'm done. I had no appetite. I probably lost 15 or 20 pounds those two weeks. Mm. Yeah. So, so what I'm taking from what you said is that, is that you feel like you can, you you feel like you can get through anything. It sounds like it was really an empowering experience on the other side. You were like, okay, you can, you can throw at me what you want to throw at me. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty, that is pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And that's been, you know, that's been a theme on this podcast, Brian, is like, is that going through something traumatic, going through something intense, going through a near-death experience can really be the source of, of knowing, knowing your strength and knowing your power and, and, and feeling, feeling, I don't know, invincible. It could be a, could be an exaggeration, but maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But yeah, it, it was a very powerful epiphany. So let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Um, this is really the essence of this podcast is like our listeners are people who are, they're going through the caca right now. You know, it could be divorce. It could be illness. It could be, um, it could be an injury, some kind of just something that scatters the pieces of your right. life. And all of a sudden you're like, Hey, what in the world is going what just, on? What just happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like what just happened. And you're not seeing the other side yet. You're kind of like, I don't know how I'm going yeah. to get through this. And I also yeah. don't even know if I'm going through, get, going to get through this. Yeah. So yeah. what kind of advice or maybe like one piece of advice or, or two or yeah. kind of inspiration would you give to people who are, who are yeah. in, in that place right now? Yeah. The pendulum always swings both ways. Hmm. So if it's over here, eventually it must come back to center. And if it's over here, it also must eventually come back to center. If, if things are really, really rough right now, it won't always be like this. And if things are really, really great, it may not always be like this. So be prepared. Don't get so cocky that you feel invincible because life can slap you hard at any moment. Like we all know. So the pendulum always swings back to the center eventually. So I think what you need to do is really honestly assess, where are you? You need to assess what are you grateful for? What is going right? Because it's so easy to look at what's wrong. There are so many things that, I mean, the, the, here's the thing. If there are 100 things going on in your life and only four of them are bad, which, what are the things you're going to think about? You're going to look at the four things that aren't very good. And you're not going to even think about the 96 things that are great. So what is great about what's going on now? What can you be thankful for? Because it can get worse. You know, you might think, Oh, I can't get any worse than this. Well, it can don't tempt fate. Don't, don't even speak that out loud. Mm -hmm. But what's good about this? Tony Robbins says that. What's good about this? Now, that might seem like a really horrible, unempowering question to ask when you're going through it. But what's good about this? 
what no. is the purpose? What is the learning here? What can you take from this? Because here's something that I know. You will continue to go through the same thing over and over again until you get the lesson. If you haven't learned the lesson yet, you will not pass the test and the test will be given to you again. I agree with you. I mm -hmm. totally agree with you, Brian. Mm -hmm. I completely, completely agree with that. And you know what? Anybody who, want, anybody who wants to question the, the usefulness or the benefits of gratitude, mm -hmm. there's way too much research at this point that has mm -hmm. piled up to make it a fact that practicing gratitude helps right. you helps you to be happier, helps you to right. be healthier physically and emotionally. Yeah. There are so many benefits to, pra to practicing gratitude and, yeah. and people who are, you know, world leaders and folks who are extraordinarily speaking of success, who are extraordinarily successful, they're people who practice gratitude. Yeah. So gratitude is huge. Being yeah. good to yourself is also very important because mm -hmm. when things are not going right, there's a tendency to feel like I'm not enough and I'm not capable, I'm not worthy. Well, don't speak that stuff out loud to yourself, not just to, not to other people, but not to yourself. Don't speak that out loud to yourself. Don't tell yourself that, don't beat yourself up. We are all going through stuff and I promise you are not alone. You're not alone. Find someone you trust to talk to if you need to. I love it. Yeah. I love that, yeah. But be good to yourself, treat yourself. Take, go, go buy ice cream, go, go do something, go for a walk. Take a staycation somewhere. Yeah. If you, I mean, you don't have to go very far away. I mean, Motel 6 is a staycation. I've done that. <laughs> I mean, it's not very glamorous, but at <laughs> least you're getting out. I'm laughing because my kids, they love staying at like a Super 8 motel. It's yeah. like once. And when we were, when we were driving to, to Tucson, Arizona, and they, it was the, best thing in the world to them because we hotly had this like king size bed the whole mm -hmm. thing i just i had to laugh because motels can totally be a staycation it can be I it can it. be in fact it's interesting it's so hot in phoenix we've had a record number of 110 plus degree days this summer yeah. i'm actually considering going to flagstaff to get out of the heat for maybe a week i wouldn't blame you and do a staycation in in flagstaff there it might go. be the it might be the best three or four hundred dollars i've ever spent you bet. You bet. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Being, being, being kind to yourself, treat yourself well. I'm, I'm really, really big on that. Absolutely. Yeah. So cool. Um, I have one more question for you, Brian, because this podcast is all about being epic. It's yeah. all about being epic. And I would love to know if you could have any superpower that you don't already have, what would it be? It's interesting. I would love to have Green Lantern's power ring. Sweet. Because with the, the control, with controlling of his thoughts, he can make that green ring do anything. That is pretty freaking cool. It is. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be invisible because I think part of life is not just looking out for other people, making sure that people are looking out for where you are so that they don't hit, run into you. I don't want that. I don't want super, I don't want bionic hearing. There's things I don't, I, some things I don't want to hear, yeah. you know? And I don't want supervision because there's some things I just really don't want to see. Hear <laughs> you. I, I, I love it. Green Lantern. Green, Green Lantern. I love Green Lantern. Brian, thank you for being my guest today. Where can we find you online? How do we find? How do we follow you? How do we find out more about how to be profiled as a success? Well, my website is brianckwright.com. 
And right is spelled W R I G H T W R I G H T, just like you see in the box here. BrianKWright.com or BrianWrightInternational.com. It points basically the same thing. And fancier. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. And uh, my magazine, if anyone does want to check out my magazine, it's SuccessProfilesMagazine.com. People can subscribe there. My very first cover was Kevin Harrington. That was fun. I interviewed him on my radio show, and then he was the first cover of my magazine. Very cool. And if anyone wants to hop on a call with me to discuss a magazine project, a book project, or whatever, callwithbrian.com. One more question. Yes. If you could define success in one phrase or sentence, what would it be? I like Tony Robbins' take on this, and it has something to do with being able to do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want, with whoever you want, without judgment, just doing your own thing. That sounds like freedom. It is. Success is freedom. I can't argue with that. Yeah. I would not argue with that. No way, Jose. All right, right. nice drop. Success is freedom. Yeah. I love that. Well, hey, again, Brian, thank you so much to you. This is Nikki Bruno with Brian Wright on the Epic Comeback Podcast. For more information about how to stage an epic comeback after a life-shattering experience, please visit theepiccomeback.com.